Lord bless your message this morning. I pray right now as we speak about God, your money, and God. I pray right now that God would cause miracles to be unlocked in this day in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Are you ready to receive it? Good, good, good. I'll be working on this thing, and I tell you what, I've got, I'm a bit fired up about it, actually, although I've kind of got so fired up about it, we've prayed for every single thing under the sun, and now we're finally coming to the Word, okay? But it is a challenge, and I want to tell you right now, we're talking about finances this morning. Here's what the Bible says, okay, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's talk about how prayer unlocks the supernatural realm in your life. Because I believe a lot of people do not understand tithing or offerings, and they don't understand the power of God in your finances. Involved. God wants to be not just involved in you going to heaven. God wants to be involved in your everyday life. Are we together on that? Everyday life. So... If we were to talk, see, I love this verse. It says in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but the word of God makes it glad. So we're going to the word of God on this subject this morning, okay? There's not something that's just like um, uh, we, need, we need some money, so let's preach on tithes. This is like let's go to the word of God and unlock some of the promised truths of tithes, offerings, and our financial situation before God this morning, Okay. So it's almost like you could almost say, do you want to be a participant in a miracle? <laughs> That's how I sort of view finances. Do you want to participate in a miracle? That would have been a good title for this because the reality is God is a miracle working God. And so some people would say to me, why even talk about money? Why even talk about money? So my first point today is why talk about money? Why the heck talk about money? And the reason being, here we go, Malachi chapter 3, or Malachi as I like to call it, from my Croatian um, heritage. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. You've got to love that statement right there. If God said he loved you at the beginning, he still loves you now. So whatever uh, influence or effect Christianity or circumstances or people's favorite doctrines or statements to you have had, I am the Lord, I do not change. So even though we may change in our attitudes and our, our thinking and our mindsets, God says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Israel, have not perished. I think it's up on the word for you, is it? You're not destroyed. Oh, yeah, we better read this one, okay? Descendants of Jacob are not destroyed, okay? Boom. Ever since the time your ancestors have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord God Almighty. But you ask, how, how, how do we return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, the Lord says. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. This is just the Bible I'm reading, by the way. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord God Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Amen? That's the word of God. So this is what God is saying to us, okay? This is God's call. This is the last book before we enter into the new covenant where Jesus died on the cross. Incidentally, a lot of people see that as a real changeover. But remember, the Bible says that he was crucified before the foundation of the earth. That's why when Jesus arrived on the planet, there was no stress. There was no anxiety with him because it had already happened. And it's an eternal promise to us. So Jesus talked about money a whole lot, okay? So if you went to the Bible, 16 out of the 38 parables are about money. 16 of them out of 38 are all about money, finances. So Jesus, why did he want to teach about money? Because people ask this question, why would Jesus teach about money? Was it that he wanted their money? Because I don't think he needed their money. Jesus could go and just fish a fish out of the, the, the water and the money would be in the fish's mouth. Anybody ever experienced that? I've come close. My dear friend Basil Sabrisky, some of you know Basil. We've traveled a lot around the world, different countries, continents. And uh, so to do that, you need to obviously, if you're flying on airplanes all the time and you're likely to, you've got to keep your health up. So we would pop all kinds of different vitamins. And quite often, uh, you'd take your vitamins with you down to breakfast in the hotel and you'd just shove them in your pocket. And then you'd fish them out of your pocket and down they'd go. Well, one morning we're down there having, uh, <laughs> having breakfast. And it was great. We had an awesome breakfast. And then we went back to our room. And next thing, Basil is talking funny. He's talking like a, like a Mickey Mouse or something. And, uh, and it's sort of a fluttery voice, like that, you know, and every word he talked. And like, what the heck's going on? And then it appeared that he was choking a little. And uh, so I said, man, I need to pray for you because you're sounding weird just the way he was talking. So I went up and I put my hand on him and I said, in Jesus' name, I speak Holy Ghost power come on you right now that you be healed and restored in Jesus' name. And then he coughed and out flew a two-cent piece. And I caught it as it was flying. And so it was a little bit like the money out of the fish's mouth. You can somehow relate that. Anyway, when he had gobbled his pills, the two-cent piece was in there, and it got jammed in his throat, and it, st and it wouldn't go down. It was sort of like a flutter. And uh, out it came, and Basil was all good. And so there you go. If you need any cash, and if you ever see Baz, just go up and lay hands on him and pray for him. You never know what's going to come out of there next. And so... But Jesus talked about money, and he preached about money for the one reason was to get their hearts to get their heart. See, God is after your hearts. And that's a reality in any one of our lives that God is really... Here's what the Bible says in Matthew 6.21. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know if anybody's invested in the stocks lately, 
But if you invest in the stocks, like there's a lot of that going around right now, and if you invest in the stocks, even if you buy $10 worth of stocks, you can bet your life that your every waking moment you're thinking, let's check it, and you're on your device checking out how your stocks are doing, how your shares are doing. So where your money is, that's where your heart is. And you find that in many people's lives that they are locked into where their finances are involved, that's where their heart is. So my next point for you this morning is the principle of flow. Now we're doing right now our whole, uh, yeah, there it is, beautifully stated, but we're doing right now in our, in our theme that we've got for you this month is the principles of the kingdom. So one of the great principles is the principle of flow. So flow is an incredible thing. This, e.g., here's a good example for you right now. The principle of flow, here it is for you right now. Everybody who's watching, hold it up so you get a good view of it while you're on um, watching online today. But here it goes. That's flow right there. As you can see, it's flowing out of the bottle and into my glass. Just a beautiful bit of pure water. Now the bottle's empty. Why is it empty? Because it's flowing out, but there's nothing coming in. There's nothing coming into it. Flow involves two things. It involves receiving and giving. Flow is always, it's a principle of the kingdom. Everything in the kingdom, and I'll drink to that. Everything in the kingdom is about flow. Every single thing involved in creation is about flow. God's word is about. Here's what it says in Luke 6.38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. In good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. So it's got a lot to do with flow. It's like if it's all coming in and not going out, then if we're not obeying God in this principle of the kingdom, then I guarantee things will not go well in our lives. It's just a principle of life. It's called generosity. It's called having a heart to give, and it's, it's just the heart of God right there, the principle of flow. And uh, this is where money is a terrible master but a great servant. Money is a terrible master but it's a great servant. Your money should never tell you what to do. You should tell it what to do. This is one of the great keys of tithing is that you tell your money where it will go and you watch God's blessing come on it. So... I'm asking you this morning probably to leave any preconceived notions, any preconceived ideas, and I'm challenging you to become fully engaged in what the anointing of the Holy Spirit would speak into your heart this morning. It's not even what I'm saying, really. It's what God's saying through His Word that would unlock us into an incredible season of His blessing in our world. And it's amazing how good God is. It's not even about doctrine. In fact, doctrine, some of the most boring discussions on the planet that I've been around would be doctrinal discussions. It bores the lot. It's just so boring. But if we get around life and about the Word of God, we'll find it's all about flow. And so I'm really bringing you a message on flow this morning. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. If you have not love, you're a clanging symbol. And a lot of people know all the doctrinal thoughts. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And sometimes we're so doctrinally, we want to be so rigidly doctrinally correct on this, but it's about flow. Everybody yell out flow. Here's what else about Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and will, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
That's one of the great things about flow. It goes beyond you and into somebody else's life. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, a passage we all know very well. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's all about flow. Every part of it's about flow. It's like if we want God's kingdom on earth, we're going to have to wake up and say, God, I am a part of that. I'm part of the flow. It doesn't happen if it's not flowing out of me. It won't flow. And we can't expect more to come in. And it's true of all creation that if there's no outflow, if your heart, for example, stops flowing out today, Where's Peter, Peter Carson? He could tell you the story. They had his heart out on a table a little while ago working on it to make it give correct outflow, all right? So they had it working over here for about, was it an hour or something? They had it on the table. Yeah. And they had his chest packed just with ice. And then when they'd finished working on this thing and putting a new valve in it, they whacked it back into his body, took the ice out first, I hope. And then they put the heart back in. Or oh, you're a bit of a cold-hearted person now. And, uh, and they put the heart back in, and then they put a little paddle on it and kicked it back into life. And look at him today, looking like a picture of health with his heart flowing out as well as in. So the heart is a perfect example. If, it, if the trees stopped breathing today, every one of us would soon have no oxygen to breathe because the trees give out oxygen. It gets in our air, and we can breathe oxygen, okay? But one of the best examples on the planet today of flow is probably the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has a flow coming in, but nothing going out. And that is the best example I can give you today of if your money stays with you and doesn't flow out of you, then it will, re it will break down. It will cause deadness and harshness to come and take away your freedom. So that's what the Bible's all about. So we've got to position ourselves to be able to give and receive, give and receive. So it's both ways. It's not just one way. We've got to be wise with it. We've got to carry God's anointing. And the greatest thing you can do to instigate flow, I believe, the greatest instigator of flow in our lives, talking from our personal life, is generosity. Generosity is a key that unlocks flow in your life. Are you with me this morning? Very quiet. You must be taking notes or something. And uh, so that's why to be a functioning part of God's creative uh, plan, we have got to be a part of giving and receiving. And it's just an incredible sowing and reaping, the Bible calls it. What you sow, you will reap, okay? My next point is understanding righteousness. Understanding righteousness. So how do we understand? Right, where's righteousness key into all this? And that's why there's a lot of, I believe there's false teaching around tithes and offerings. There's stuff that if you're giving just to get, like if you sow $10 today, you'll get 100 tomorrow. Well, seriously, in my opinion, that is false teaching. It's not true. It's, not, it's outside of the miracle zone of God. Remember, the word righteousness in the Bible is the word, and I think Shane taught us this very well anyway, was tzedakah. Tzedakah, the same word for righteousness, the same word for generosity. So to be righteous is to be generous. To be righteous is to be generous. And I think we've, we've missed that in some ways because I believe somewhere in the kingdom we got tied up in the, and, and righteousness used to be a horrible religious experience that caused us to have a ritualistic lifestyle that was just boring and dull and ugly and mean. And I believe God wants us to be free. Hoping for one or two amens on that point. 
God wants us to be free. Because sadly to say, I believe the church became better known for what it was against than what we were for. So I want to be known for what I'm for and what I'm excited about more than what I'm against, if that makes sense. And I'm for giving and receiving. I'm for the flow. I'm for sowing and reaping because I believe it unlocks incredible power in our lives and our testimony and our victory and everything that happens as a result of that. It's called flow. I was thinking about it when Ben was up here leading the worship this morning and he's, he's obviously a bit younger than me and he's got his buttons undone down to about here. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I was thinking, it reminded me, I was just looking at it, it reminded me of I was doing a wedding one time and I was just carrying the presence of God. It's called flow. And I was carrying, I was doing the wedding. It wasn't a Christian wedding. It was, it was actually quite the opposite. And, uh, and as I was doing the wedding, the power of God came into the wedding ceremony because of the flow. And I remember one guy, he came over to me. He was the father of the bride. And he came over to me. And uh, I was just sitting there, actually. I was sitting there at the back table where they put you after you've done your, we now pronounce you man and wife. You're just whoever you are. Go sit over there. We'll give you a bit of a feed and a couple of glasses of wine. And uh, so I was sitting down there just enjoying myself. And next thing, this guy comes and he falls on his knees in front of me. And he had his shirt undone right down to about here. And there was a huge gold medallion on his hairy chest. And... Uh, and he, and he looked at me and he said, um, uh, how did he pronounce it now? Um, priest, what do they call the priest again? Uh, Father. Father. Father, Father, I have sinned. And, uh, and I'm saying, yeah, well, haven't we all? And uh, <laughs> he didn't quite understand that. And then he said, look, I've been unfaithful to my wife and somehow you being here today has challenged me and I feel like I need to get right before God. And so right there in the middle of the wedding ceremony, he's declaring his love for Jesus and asking forgiveness for sin. And I became a pope overnight. And uh, so just, uh, but, but the reality is talking about flow in that. And remember, it's all about what we carry because if we get ugly and mean about stuff, nobody wants to know it. But if we carry the presence of God in our lives, it becomes easy to digest and easy to understand. Jeremiah 22 and verse 16 says this. He defended the cause of the poor and needy. This is talking about the righteous person. He defended the cause of the poor and needy. And so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, says the Lord? So to know, people always ask me, how do you know God? How do you get to know God? One of the best ways you'll ever get to know God is be generous, be kind, and be an incredible giver. That's the heart of God. And I think sometimes we think that uh, how do I, you know, I meet people, how do I gain God's favor? You know, and so I've even heard preachers say, if you give this amount, you will gain God's favor. If you give an excess, you'll gain God's favor. That is not true. I'm just letting you know that ain't true, okay? And because all that does is it opens up horribly miscommunicated beliefs about the God that loves us and died for us. So it's real easy, really, and I think it's been very miscommunicated in that way. Your tithe will never gain you one ounce of God's favor. Can I say that to you today? It won't gain you any more of God's favor than you've already got, okay? There is no ritual on earth that will make God love you more than he does now. 
There's no ritual. And I know we've been trapped in it. Churches have been trapped and we do all these weird rituals to try to get the blessing of God. But there's not one ritual that will get God to love you more than he does already. Come on, you can get excited about that. God loves you already. Already he thinks you're the most best person on the planet, okay? If you tithe, your finances will become successful. That's also a lie, all right? Because I don't believe that is the key. I believe it's a generous giving heart that unlocks that in your world. It's called generosity, okay? And let me tell you, our God is an incredibly generous God. You've got to know that today. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. These are just principles of the kingdom, okay? So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So it's about your heart. See, I can get you to put, to pay off our debt this morning and put 2.9 million right here on the dot right now. And we cover the debt that we brought this building several years ago for somewhere around seven million, eight million, or whatever it was. But we could we paid off a lot of that, but we could fix it today. If someone said, if I said to someone, if you put that down, you'll have the favor of God on your life. But that's not where it's at. The reality, it's out of the generosity of your heart that the favor of God comes on your life. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Ha ha ha. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And let me tell you, God's done some great work through this place, and that's why we are always excited about the generosity of God's people. So some of you are new to Inspire, and that's fantastic. And uh, so you may be uh, asking a question, what does it mean to be a part of the Inspire team? How do we operate here? What, how does it work? And uh, so we believe that as we gather together, and uh, we've obviously talked about a lot of different perspectives over the last couple of weeks, but we believe that the, the, the tithe and the offering is an incredible part of God's plan for us as individuals just to walk in the blessing of the love of God and the grace of God in our lives, okay? Some of you have come from other churches that have had incredible experiences. Some come from other churches that have had not so enjoyable experiences. But we want this to be an experience for you where you understand and acknowledge the incredible love and power of God in every transaction in your life. Is that fair enough for you? And uh, nonetheless, either way, um, we build up beliefs. And people have different kind of beliefs regarding tithes and offerings. They have different beliefs. Um, some of those beliefs have been very helpful to you, and they've helped you to live a great life and increase and see God's blessing in every way. Others of those beliefs have been a hindrance to you. And I believe my job as a senior pastor is to unlock those and get you into the freedom of the grace of God this morning, okay? So what we're trying to do this month is really bring that and bring an understanding and a good perspective. So a new perspective, my next point, a new perspective, a new perspective, because we want to help you discover God's shape for your life so that you live in God's shape, so that you, you flow out of God's shape, and so that you enjoy his incredible presence in your life. So you might have been taught something different 20 years ago, but let's get in fresh perspective. Zahn preached a great message on the perspective the other day. He had people down here taking a photo from this angle, people taking a photo from whatever angle. You could do it better than I do because you were quick at it and agile. And, uh, and, but he had different perspectives that you can look. And I believe we need to catch a perspective of the Holy Spirit on this. Hello? 
Anybody there? But catching the perspective of the Holy Spirit, I think, is one of the great keys. So let's take a, look, a fresh look at how we interpret some of the foundational principles of tithing and offering this morning, okay? Maybe it's even time, honestly, to embrace a new perspective. You might have been in church forever. So let's understand giving a little. So whatever you were taught regarding tithes and offerings, I want to just give you this, okay? Because I've had a couple of people say recently, what is tithing? Now, that's a frightening thing to hear within a church. For a senior pastor, it would mean you have not taught, which scares me a little. What is tithing? So here we go, okay? The tithe was an obligatory offering from the law of Moses requiring 10% of an, Israel's, of an Israelite's first fruits. Because God provided the harvest, this first part was returned to him. It was a reminder to Israel that all things we have are his. It was a show of thankfulness for his provision. It also provided for the Levitical priesthood, for the festivals, and for the needy. That's a pretty good, that's kind of a down-to-earth description of what tithes are about. Obviously, beyond that, there are offerings, okay? I'm into the offerings part of it. So how many have been taught, that, it, and it's your belief, that the 10% tithe is the scriptural principle for the Christian? Don't put up your hand, but I'm just asking you that question. How many have been taught that the 10% tithe is a scriptural principle for the Christian, Okay. And then there's another question I've got here for you. How many have been taught and believe that the tithe is not relevant for the New Testament believer? Because these are some of the thinkings that are out there. Okay, so I've researched some of this stuff. And after 43 years as a believer, let me tell you this right now, I'm a tither. And I'm an offering giver. And today... Uh, Obviously, a little bit of an old school message, a little bit of teaching about what some of the Bible says and what the principles are. So let's start with what we believe. Okay, Julia and I believe that tithing is the greatest principle that we could possibly apply to our lives and live in the graciousness of what God did for us. And when he saved us and delivered us and we were born again, okay? So we don't just follow Jesus because we want to go to heaven and not hell. That would be a totally ugly relationship, okay? With it. If I'm married to Julia, uh, no, we won't even go there. Uh, let's, let's talk about something else, okay? Um, uh, but I'm a follower of Jesus because I totally love God and I love following God and I love living in his presence and I love the fact that I can communicate with him and talk with him and that he answers my prayer. I love Jesus for that. And everything in my life is a gift. The fact that I'm walking before you today, holding my arms and waving my hands, I was paralyzed from the neck down, quadriplegic, I think they call it. And God healed me and set me free. Obviously, there's some faith involved in that, but God did a miracle, okay? So it's like the, the creator has given me a gift in my life and in every one of your lives, I believe, it's salvation, just number one, and it's a gift to be delivered. It's a gift to be delivered. You cannot be silent and be a Christian. You cannot zip up and be an excited Christian. People are going to know. The guy with the medallion hanging around his hairy chest, he recognized something in my life and there was a gift to be delivered. So he gave his life to Christ that day. There's a gift to be delivered. It's like our finances. God gives us finance. It's to be passed on. It's like even to be given back to God. There's a percentage of it that belongs to the creator, the, the giver of all. And if we don't, that's why that verse said, a man has robbed God. If we don't give it back, we're actually taking something that is his that we're keeping for ourselves. 
And it's impossible to be generous if we live in that way. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says this, Given it will be given unto you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's flow right there. Will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's why I am committed in centering my life around the principles of the Word of God. And, and, and that's why we're tithers and givers, actually. In fact, Julia and I have had quite an experience in tithing and giving. There's been times when we've tithed uh, far more. We've tithed, sometimes we've gone into 15%. Sometimes we've tithed 20%. Just to be appreciative of what God's miracle power is. When we were buying this building, we were in Australia and God spoke to us. We couldn't get the money. Every bank in New Zealand turned us down. We went to the 10 banks. They turned us down and they said, no, we're not giving you any money for a building. You've only got 450000 in the bank. We're not going to give you whatever it was, $7.8 to buy a building. You haven't got enough. And so I said, well, hang on, God, you promised us this building. And God said to me, I want you to activate faith in this miracle. So we were in a meeting in Australia, and God spoke to me. Well, I think he spoke to Julie. Usually he'll speak to your wife first, just quietly. Okay? And Julia leaned over to me, and she said, we need to make a, an offer. God had already said, you need to sow, and then I'm going to unlock this building. But then Julia said, we need to sow our salary. And so I was like, that's the devil right there. <laughs> so I was not wanting to hear her at all. And uh, she said, no, I really believe we should make it into an offering and give it. And do you know, after a lot, I was quite angry, actually, I've got to tell you. It says give with a joyful heart, but I wasn't joyful that day. I was sort of angry at Julia, at God. And I remember giving it and saying, well, if you don't come through, I'm going to be angry. I arrived back in New Zealand. God unlocked the finances for this building. One man um, made a, a cash deposit of $1 million into our bank a week after that happened. I want to tell you that right now. That's a, another lady who was part of this church came to me, and she said, I don't know why it is, but God woke me up and said that I've got to put a $750,000 offering into this church because God wants you to get that building. And within, I think it was in like three weeks, we had the finance to purchase this building and we made it. And here we are today rejoicing in it and living in it and seeing God's blessing flow over our lives. Tithing and offering works. It's just God's, it unlocks. If nothing else, it unlocks the supernatural. It unlocks the blessing of God in your life. Um, um, God has often said to, to me, anyway, do you trust me as your source or do you trust money? Those are scary words. I actually hate it when he says it to me. Sometimes he reminds me of it in the middle of the night. Goodbye to sleep. It's like, but the journey of this church has gone through many seasons where we've sometimes had to unlock some stuff there and, and take responsibility. And I thank God for the incredible men and women and the leaders in this church who have got behind us and sometimes given sacrificially to open up opportunities in that realm. And uh, it's interesting because this is just a modern-day story. This is like two weeks ago, our accountant, the trustees are here today. I said, our accountant arrived, and he said, he wrote us an email first, and he said, I need to meet with you urgently. And you hate getting those from your accountant, right? Anybody had one of those lately? Like, horrible. Anyway, we went and met, and then he said, you're in trouble. And he said, you know, you're, you're financially lacking, and this is where you've gone, and, and you, you, your two months' rent you've missed. and It just was a horrible meeting. 
And uh, I didn't like it. I don't like surprises like that. And uh, then there was a little bit, you could feel the tension in the room. Anybody ever been in that? You can feel the tension. Now, you can go to fear or you can go to faith. Hello? Fear or faith isn't fine. Now, if you understand God's credible plan of generosity and giving, you easily go to faith. If not, you'll go to fear and panic and knee-jerk and all sorts of stuff. But we went to prayer. And we got there and we put the, all the accounts on the table and we prayed over it for this church because um, COVID has caused some shifting in the financial situations of this church throughout this year. And there's some things there that are not quite lining up. And we said, no, we're going to pray. Because how many know our Father, like here's the deal today, I don't need your money. Because my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, all right? That's how it is. So it's not, none, none of my talks are ever about, hey, can you give me some money? It's always about God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He wants you to participate in a miracle. And we can all participate. So anyway, we went home, and I went home to Julia, and I said, baby, just had a, a, a meeting with Mike, the accountant, and it's, 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 it's stressful. And I said, but I refuse to take on stress. So we got together and we prayed. And we prayed, and you know what God said to us? God said that same horrible sentence, do you trust me as your source or do you trust money? Now, those are tricky words. Like we've been, I wanted to give Julia a bit of a change of a car in this next season, and so we've been working at that. But then I said to her, baby, your car's gone. And so I said, God, I'm prepared to put that down as a deposit on opening heaven's blessing. And we put that down. And here's what happened. This is interesting because within 12 hours. So I get in my van the next morning, my car, my truck, my, my whatever it is, SUV. I'm driving down the road and I'm driving down. This is within 12 hours. I'm driving down the road and I get a phone call from a guy. He doesn't come to this church. Just a guy I know. And uh, he rings up and he says, were you praying last night? And I said, well, yeah, I was all night, actually. And he said, you must have been, because at 2 o'clock, God woke me up. And uh, he said, so I haven't slept since, thank you. And he says, I'm ringing you up to say, how much was it you were believing for? And I said, well, reality is, we were believing for 40. We, Julia and I already met some of that, so we're believing for 30 right now. And he said, don't even think about it from this moment on. And two seconds later, ding, ding, the phone dinged and the money was there. That's how God operates. So he doesn't need us to get rigid or ugly about it. He just needs us to obey. And when we obey, God supplies the supernatural. Amen? So finally, my point is, it's, transaction, it's not transaction, it's actually relationship. Because we get horribly tied up in transactions instead of relationship in this whole talk. And, uh, and right now I'm very aware that it's all about relationship. You with me? Yeah. It's like the guy who arrived in heaven. Just another little story. The guy arrived in heaven. And he arrives in heaven. And he arrives there looking pretty jaggled actually. Pretty torn up and wrecked. And he arrives there. And, and Peter's at the gate. And Peter said, man, look at you. You must have tithed well. To get here? And he said, tithe? What does that mean? Like some of you. And uh, what does that even mean? And uh, Peter said, well, you, you don't get to the gate of heaven unless you've tithed. And he says, no, no, I've never tithed in my life. He said, well, you must have been a part of a good church. He said, I've never been to church in my life. 
And then Peter says, well, hang on a minute. Well, you're a part of an I group. You must have been a part of one of those great I groups that inspire. And he says, what's an I group? Like some of you. And, uh, and uh, then, so Peter says to him, well, what the hang? How did you end up here? And he says, well, I don't know. It was the guy in the middle. He's like, the guy in the middle? What are you talking about? He says, well, what happened? We're all criminals and we're getting crucified. And he said, I was on one side. Another guy was on the other side. And I said, man alive, I like your style. I like who you are. I don't know why you're here. I know why I'm here, but you do. I don't think you deserve to be here. And Jesus, he said, the guy in the middle said to me, today you're going to be with me in heaven. Let me tell you right now, it's about relationship. It's not about anything to do with how you behave or how you... It's not about your efforts of religiosity. It's about your relationship with Christ. Is that okay? Because I want to tell you right now, so many have been offended because we've been challenged to do this, that, and the next thing. But the bottom line is, God loves you. Why do I give? Because God as love overflows me and makes me want to flow in the generosity that he gives in me in my life, okay? So I'll finish with one story today. Julia and I went shopping at Nordstrom's one day. This is just about tithes, because it's always tithes and offering. It's, a, it's having a generous spirit. It's like I hang out with some of you guys, and I go up to pay the bill, and they say, we go have a coffee down here or whatever, and they say, sorry, already done. That's called generosity, okay? That's, that's beyond. That's beautiful. It's just the part of God's plan. You go out for a meal and you go up to pay and they say, sorry, someone covered it. And I said, well, who was it? And you ask around your table and it's no one at your table. And you're like, who the heck did this? And it's some stranger who walked in and saw you there and just said, hey, I want to get those guys built. That's generosity, guys. This is what the world needs to operate. It's far better than the ugliness that happens in our world half the time. It's called God's principle for our lives, okay? So is this making sense to anybody? So I'm just, Julie and I go into Nordstrom's. We're shopping at Nordstrom's. And we walked into, this is in America, okay? So I wanted an Armani suit, which I knew would look good on me. In fact, every suit looks good on me. And uh, so we go, into, uh, we go into Nordstrom's, and right at the door they had this thing. It's a special for the day. Pick a, it was a lucky dip. Pick a thing out, and it'll be 20%, 10%, uh, 10% 20%, 50%, 80%, 90%, 95%, whichever one you got. And it just so happened, I picked out a 50% off my Armani suit. So I said, baby, we're going shopping. So we went over. It might have been 70%, was it, baby? I can't remember now. But anyway, whatever it was, we went over, and, uh, and I picked out this beautiful Armani suit, tried it on. I looked so sharp in that thing. And uh, then I went up to the counter, and right in front of us was this one, a man with one arm, a black man with one arm, and uh, huh? an ex-vet, actually, sorry. And he was trying to purchase... I can't remember some clothing. He'd got about a 5% thing, okay? He didn't have the favor like I've got, all right? And uh, anyway, he's trying to get this, this suit, and he couldn't pay for it, and his credit card wouldn't work, and the girl got ugly with him, and here we are standing. We're loaded with clothes over our back, and we've got bags full of clothes. 50%, man, or 70 whatever it was, we're going to get this. And anyway, then Julia says to me, give him, the, give him the ticket. I'm like, you are kidding me. I've got my Armani suit. We've been shopping for an hour. We've got all these clothes. You are kidding. And she says, no, give him, God just told me, give him the ticket. And I'm like, get out of here. And she said, no, God said, give him the ticket. And so I'm so, what are we going to do? And she said, we're going to put it back on the shelf. And so 
Oh, man, I tell you what. We gave the ticket to the guy. The woman at the counter was angry with us. She said, no, no, you can't do that. And I said, well, yes, we can. My wife said. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so we gave him the ticket, even though she was very angry. And so was I, incidentally. And so even in that heart, I gave him the ticket. And then I was mad at Julia Rulo. I said, you've stuffed it. I'm never going to get my Armani suit. Well, we listen, and, and, and this is it. Julia said, well, it's better to obey God, and it's better to give than receive. So I said, well, we'll go back there tomorrow and see what happens. I went back the next day and got a 2%. <laughs> flipping 2%. She pulls one out, 98% off anything you buy. And she said, would you like me to buy you that Armani suit? Better to listen to God. You cannot outgive God. That's my line here today. You cannot outgive God. I need to finish. So, getting unstuck is my final point here today, I hope. And it's a Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. So, Jesus said, You think I'm doing away with the old covenant? No way. I've come to fulfill it. It's bigger now, it's no longer about 10%, it's everything you've got. Come on, laugh with me. It's everything you've got. Even if you've only got three teeth, give a smile. I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of God. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness, righteousness, generosity, Heart to give, heart to flow in the flow of God. Unless you have that heart and it surpasses all that the Pharisees and the religious goons of the past did of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Friend, I want to tell you right now, Israel had come out of 400 years of captivity and slavery. They didn't have a clue on these principles. And God says, I'm going to teach you some of the greatest teachings in the world that will change your life and alter your future in Jesus' mighty name. It's called a change of mindset. It's called generosity. It's called love and forgiveness. Amen? I'm going to close right there today because, number one, I've run out of time. And number two, there's just not enough time to get through all of these other points I've got, okay? But uh, I'll ask you today, do you want to participate in a miracle? And I want to um, do this, and we obviously haven't done the tithe and offering up till now, but I'm going to do it right now. But um, it's interesting, eh? Because I want to tell you right now, we have an opportunity in this church to actually change the future. In South Africa right now, there's one answer for the problem they've got. It's called the Church of the Living God. I believe that with all my heart. Man's politics and all that won't work. There's too much corruption in politics today, even in our nation right now. Way too much corruption. And what we need, we need the Church of the Living God to be strong and to be incredibly life-changing. Are you with me? In other words, we don't have to give to get. We trust God for the miracle. And I want to speak miracles all over here today. And uh, Jesus spoke about it all the time. And, and I really believe, to, hopefully today's message has helped you to be mature in your thinking on this. And as a church, I hope it's helped us to get a right perspective on giving and receiving tithes and offerings. So um, let's right now talk about growing people. Because my whole heart is that this church 
become an incredible instrument into the future, into the next season of growing people and changing lives. That's why we're here. We're not here just for us. We're not here just to talk about principles of giving and receiving and all that. We're here to change the world. And I believe right now our outflow is exactly what does it. So right now as the musicians come, I want to encourage you to embrace some of this truth today. So some of the truth of tithes and offerings and some of the truth of giving. And, um, and maybe, in fact, let's pray right now. I think we just finished with a prayer, to be honest with you, because I want to pray for people here that right now, over your life, over your marriage, over your children, over your future, over your mortgage, over your dream to own a house, over your dream to fulfill your career and see God's blessing in it. I want to just commit today to God <clears throat> and, uh, and challenge us a little bit today to put our faith in God, not in our circumstances. And that he will, as he's done many times in the journey of this great church here, God has said, will you trust me? It's like, do you know me, Don? And I know him to be an incredibly generous, keeping, faithful God. And my whole thing would be, let's not be sparing in our thinking, but let's be generous in our thinking and have the mindset of God today. Now, obviously, as we receive today's offering, I do want to challenge you in the final thing. If you are not a tither today, I'm going to encourage you to, to step in there and trust God in that. I'm going to encourage you to be a giver, to participate in some of the responsibilities that there are to make this place function. I want to thank every person here who has been generous and who has sowed into where we are as a church. And some sacrificial giving has been makes me go home and cry sometimes when I see the hearts of the incredible people that God's put around us. But this morning as I pray for you, I really feel today to pray and believe in Jesus' name that increase come upon the capacity of your life to flow, that we would be a church that's known for our influence in the community, that people know that we love them, that people know that we care, that people know that we're prepared to go the extra mile, that people would know that we care about your family and your marriage and your children, that as a church we want to see your children grow up in the principles and the values of God, that we would grow great community, that our community would be an influential community. So, Lord, I pray right now, right across this place, Lord God, that as, as we become faithful to your word today, that as every person here participates and as a family, we come together around your word today, as online, maybe today online, God, as people are challenging their spirit about where they rest in this in this mindset and have new thinking and fresh thinking today. I pray for miracles to be established in every one of our lives in Jesus' name. God, I pray 
as we step out in the water and trust you today, God, that you would be faithful, that marriages would be healed, that relationships be healed, that families come back together, that families come back to Christ. People who have drifted from Christ would suddenly be awakened in their spirit, God, to the precious love of God. Like the man at that wedding, God, that we would come back to you and say, yes, God, here we are. And I pray right now for our communities to influence right across the board and that we would see miracles in that realm. In the name of Jesus, I declare it right now. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.